Well, um, would you turn to Colossians chapter 1? Colossians 1, and we'll be going through verses 16 and 17. We're going through the book of Colossians verse by verse. Um, and now we find ourselves in verses 16 and 17. Now, while you're flicking the pages and turning there, I just want to let you know that these two verses are actually part of a, a, a larger block um, a unit of thought that runs from verses 15 all the way down to 20. And it forms one of the earliest hymns that the church used to sing. We don't know who composed this hymn, um, but it's in God's word. So it's got the stamp of God's approval. So it really doesn't matter who composed it. Um, now, the intention of uh, this hymn, just like any other hymn, particularly in those days, is to summarize um, a, a real crucial Christian doctrine, and it turns it into uh, doxology. In any hymn that we sing, what we do is that we praise and exalt God by joyfully meditating on the words of the hymn. And this is exactly what, by God's grace, we're going to do this morning. We're going to not sing, but we're going to study and ponder on the words of this text for the very purpose of praising and exalting Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is obviously most definitely worthy of all adoration, all worship. And so when we do that, not only are we would, would we be true to the meaning of the text, but we would also be true to the interpretation, to the purpose, to the application of this text. So in what way is Paul exalting Jesus in his hymn? What is the main theme that runs through this unit of, of the literary genre of this text? It is that Jesus may have the preeminence overall and above all. Now, what does this mean? Well, it means that in all of creation, Jesus has the unique, incomparable beauty that is worthy to be praised. Now, in this block, this hymn, it's divided um, um, nicely into two parts. The first part from verse 15 to 17, and it speaks of Jesus that he has matchless loveliness, unequaled power, unrivaled authority. That's in the first part. And the second, verses 18 to 20, in all of religions, in all of salvation, all of redemptive worlds, no one is like Jesus. He has monopoly over salvation, exclusivity over lordship, amazing grace, guaranteed forgiveness, boundless satisfaction. Simply put, Jesus has a preeminence in all things. In fact, let me show you something 
that is Christ exalting in this text. So what we're going to do is, before we look into these very specific two verses of today's passage, let me read to you the entire hymn from verse 15 to 20. But while we're in the spirit of praising and exalting Jesus, we're going to do something slightly different. I, w- I would like to place Jesus' name and instead of every personal pronoun that re- refers to him in this hymn, and I want to do this in order to show you how exalting this hymn is to the person and the works of Jesus. So listen as I uh, just basically read the word of God to you. So starting from verse 15. He here, again, refers to Jesus Christ. So it says, it goes like this. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Jesus, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus all things hold together. Jesus is also head of the body, the church, and Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that Jesus himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Jesus and through Jesus to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through Jesus, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Amazing, is it not? And no matter how we, how many times we read this passage, we can't help but imagine how Paul kind of turns his pen into a sledgehammer. And with every pen stroke, it's kind of like he's hammering this same nail of the preeminence of Christ on its head over and over again. And he wants to drill it into our brains. He wants to burn in our chests. Stamp it in our eyelids. That Jesus is all sufficient. All we need. Why is he all sufficient? Let's be even more specific now that we read the entire passage. Let me break it down for you. He is all sufficient because in verse 15, he is God, the supreme overall. In verse 16, he's the creator of all. Verse 17, he is eternal and a sustainer of all. Verse 18, he's the Lord and Savior of his people. Verse 19, he's the beloved of the Father. And verse 20, he is the reconciler of all. So without apologies and with all boldness, let it be known to all of us, whether believers or unbelievers, angels or demons, Jesus is all sufficient in all aspects of life. 
no matter the severity of the trials we go through. Irrespective of what kind of sins that are bearing heavy upon you or the guilt that is weighing heavy upon your conscience. Whether it is financial, relational, or spiritual crisis. I present to you Jesus Christ, the all-sufficient person. He's the reference point to all things. The answer to the unresolved challenges. The fountain of living waters to all dead souls. The bread of heaven to the hungry and wandering hearts. So that's how we're going to look at these two verses. We're going to look at Jesus, the creator. Second, Jesus, the eternal. Third, Jesus, the sustainer. First, we'll look at Jesus, the creator. He is preeminent. Why? Because he's a creator. Let's have a look at this. Well, we, we already looked at verse 15. We just want to connect the dots at length last time. If you want, you can go ahead and download that message. But it, that verse 15, it concludes with this phrase, the firstborn of all creation. Again, I don't want to bore you to death by repeating my explanation to what this means. But to suffice to say that, that this phrase actually says that Jesus is above all. He's the exalted one. That's what Paul is saying. Now, some might say, well, wait a second, Paul. I mean, why is this the case? You're being so offensive. Well, why do you see this Jesus any better than, than Allah or greater than the thousands of the Buddhist gods? Answer, verse 16. For by him, all things were created. It was Jesus that created the world out of nothing. The scripture attested his truth. John 3, 1, 3 says, All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In other words, Jesus created everything and nothing exists without Jesus creating it. That is to say, it was Jesus that said, let there be light. And there was light. It was Jesus that created the seas and the ocean and he is the one that filled them with water. It was Jesus that scooped the dirt out of the ground and breathed into a life. And so Adam came into existence. And it was Jesus who created how many things? All things. Countless of billions times. Billions upon billions of things. And Paul here breaks it down nicely for us. And he says, both in the heavens and on earth. He speaks of the only two possible locations. 
the heavens. Not only the heaven, but the heavens. It's plural. All layers of heaven. For those of us who can turn our uh, necks back, backwards, and, and you look up to heaven. I know some can't for now, but if you look up to heaven as far as you could see, you see that first layer of heaven, the sky above, the clouds, the, the, the birds of the air, Jesus created them all. Then you look beyond that and further up and you see these stars and all planets and galaxies. Jesus owns them all. No hidden star, no unknown star floating somewhere in the space that Jesus did not create. Not only the heavens, but also the earth. All the mountains and valleys. All the trees and the flowers. From the largest and the biggest rock to the tiniest atom in the smallest molecule. Everything has Jesus' fingerprint on it. Created them all. He owns them all. Even your own life. Your skin tissue, the blood running through your veins, not a cell in your body that does not have the stamp made by Jesus. Think of all kinds of food flavors, spicy, salty, sour, sweet, and the taste buds, your hair. Every strand of it in your skin. And Jesus says, it's mine, my own. I made it. How rich is our Lord. How great is our God. Jesus Christ. Is he not indeed above all? Some false teachers will come and say, ah, we read this text. Yes, it makes sense. He created all things that are in heaven and on earth. And then I try to be clever and say, but wait, wait. It doesn't mean that he's necessarily above all. Why? Well, if he created all things in heaven and on earth, what if there are some creatures that exist outside of heavens and earth? Did Jesus create him? I guess not. And if that is the case, then he's not really above all, is he? So what does Paul do? Paul goes on to expand this concept of all things, and he wants to cover all grounds. So he continues on and he says, visible and invisible. That is to say, physical and spiritual. Everything that you could see, feel, and touch, and even the things that you cannot see. It's a catch-all phrase. Whether this dimension or any potential possible dimensions. Jesus claims them all. He's exalted above all. Then what does Paul do? He picks on this invisible world. 
kind of like pulls up the curtain a little bit and lets us um, see more specifically what he means by this term, the invisible world. And then he continues on and he says, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. What does that mean? It means this is the angelic government, the order all different layers of rankings in this angelic world, whether it's good angels or, or bad angels. They've got this structure. They've got this order. And it says Jesus created them all. Paul, in the book of Ephesians, he, he, uh, what he does, he gives us a different perspective just to show us how these angelic structures Relate to Jesus. And do you know what he says? In beginning from verse 20, he kind of tells us that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And then he moves into verse 21 and he says, That Jesus, this Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of God, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he, that is Jesus, put all things, sorry, the Father put all things in subjection under Jesus' feet. All angelic beings, all their structures, Everything to do with great and mighty seraphim and cherubims and all the wickedness, all kind of satanic beings, they all come under Jesus, beneath his feet. No one is exempted. He's in charge of them all. He has the final word in what they do. And what they say, of course he does. He created them all. And so, he's above them all. Again, we'll go back to that false teaching. And he would say, well, I get it. I understand based on this text that Jesus is the ultimate creator. But who's to say that he didn't use other angels to create the world? Ah, you see? That is exactly their problem. If you recall the, the, the time of Colossians and why the very reason why Paul wrote this epistle is because they had this false idea that somehow God created angels and some angels created other angels and other angels created other angels and then ultimately there are some bad angels who created this world and so the false teachers would call upon the christians to go back and worship not just only god but also who angels so yes we understand jesus created all things understand but here is room where Jesus may be the creator of creators. And if other angels were involved in the process of creation, so don't you think they're also worthy to be praised? 
So move Jesus a little. You sit on the throne, but we put next to you some other things or beings. They're also worthy to be worshipped since they too are creators. Paul says, no, no. What do you mean, Paul? And then he continues on. Have a look what he says. All things have been created, what? Through him. What does that mean? Through him, not just by him, but through him. Meaning Jesus created all things directly. Without any assistance outside of himself. He didn't use angels. He didn't use computers. He didn't Google. He didn't use chat, chat GPT. When he wanted to create frogs, he didn't go to YouTube and search how to make frogs. Jeremiah 10, verse 12, it says, it is God. And Jesus is God. It is God who made the earth by what? By his power. Who established the world by his wisdom. And by his understanding, he has stretched out the heavens. And furthermore, Paul doesn't even stop there. He continues on to... To, to prove to all of us that Jesus is worthy to be exalted above all. So he continues and he says, all things have been created through him and for him. It is not just that Jesus created you. And it is not just that Jesus directly created you. So that he would leave you wonder. So thank you, Jesus. Let's move on. Let's move on to something else, to my own life, my own purpose, my own goals and dreams. No, he created you. For whom? For himself. Come back here. You belong to me. And I created you for me. Everything that was created was created for one singular purpose. That is the glory of Christ alone. That Jesus is the final cause of all causes. He's the ultimate purpose of our existence. Not just ours, the angels. The angels were created for him. Remember Hebrews chapter 1. It says, let all the angels of God worship Christ. Let his ministers a flame of fire. Even the, the fallen angels. The fallen angels were created for Jesus. Not just before they sinned, even after they sinned. They exist for Jesus. What does that mean? They're evil. They're, they're really, really bad. Yes. And yet they were created for Jesus and they exist for Jesus. How does that work? Let me tell you. Remember when Jesus was tempted in all things, yet without sin, and Satan came and, and they threw 
all kinds of temptations at Jesus and he conquered them all. What was the outcome? You know what the outcome was? It revealed how righteous he is. And you know, one day, even his worst enemies, Satan himself, with all of his demons, one day they will bow before him and they will be made to declare that Jesus is Lord over all. Saints in heaven, they will display how amazingly gracious Jesus is. Even sinners, unforgiven sinners, who because they rejected Jesus Christ's invitation and salvation, and they end up in hell forever, for eternity, they will be made to display how just and how much Christ hates sin. And whether on this side of eternity we like it or not, they will display how glorious, how holy, how pure His wrath, how dreadful His judgment will be upon those sinners. Brothers and even us believers, brothers and sisters, we find when we finally arrive home, away from sin, from sickness and Satan, when, when that day comes where Jesus will wipe every tear from our eyes, when, when Jesus will, will exchange all our sufferings with the eternal weight of glory, when all the checks and balances are done and dusted, we too are going to look back and we are going to say, Amen. Everything, indeed, all things have been created for Jesus. How exalted, how magnified, how praiseworthy is Jesus Christ. Brothers, let this truth sink deep into our hearts. Jesus is preeminent. Why? One, he's the creator of all. Two, he's the eternal. We read verse 17, and it says, He is before all things. He is worthy of all praises and honor because he pre-existed all things. And may I add that the scripture affirms this it's very clear on the eternality of Christ. Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, listen to this one, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And in Hebrew, by the way, it is, if you read it literally, it's the Father of Eternality. 
John 17 verse 5. Jesus says, Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Revelation 22 verse 13. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus is eternal. What does it mean? It means Jesus transcends time. He lives not only in, but outside of time. Brothers, look around you. If we take a look at the past, you will find that there was once upon a time we were not. We did not exist. And if you look ahead to the future, You see, all things are decaying. Even the strongest men among us one day will grow weaker. All our bodies will be decayed and they will rot in some grave somewhere. But Jesus is before all. He's in a class on his own. He will never faint, nor grow weary. He never ages. This is mind-boggling. See, we understand this. We understand that eternity is so hard to grasp because we were, we were, we're always confined in, in this time dimension and everything we know and think, we think with respect to time. There is always beginning and end to everything around us, but not so with Jesus. He is before all things, meaning He is timeless. He is everlasting. Well, one might say, well, I I don't understand. Well, what don't you understand? Well, I get the fact that Jesus is eternal and makes sense. That's what the scripture says. All right, fair enough, I believe it. But what I don't get is how is it that we can jump from the fact that Jesus is eternal that somehow now he's worthy to be exalted. I mean, you can have, relatively speaking, a piece of rock. There's a rock there, right? Or gold. Gold doesn't rust. Does that mean just because it doesn't rust, it's still the same, or this piece of rock is still the same? That means it's, I have to exalt it? I have to worship this thing? No. Brothers, I want to call upon you. Oh, praise and adore the Lord Jesus. Why? Because He's eternal. Therefore, His character is unchanging. And because his character is unchanging, it means that you and I can place our confidence in the fact that he will remain the same. His love will never diminish. His promises are unwavering. Brothers, what what comfort, what security that ought to fill us, that bring our heart as believers, um, bring joy in our heart. As, as, as we trust in His consistency, His faithfulness throughout all time. 
How blessed are we to have such a reliable and faithful Savior who, the Scripture says, remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. Brothers, we've got to lift our voices and praise Him. Praise the one who is worthy of our adoration and glory. We've got to ascribe preeminence to Jesus Christ. Why? He's a creator. Second, he is eternal. Third, also because he is a sustainer of all things. Verse 17, we continue on the last bit in that verse, and it says, And in him all things hold together. Now, let's have a look at this closely. Notice, it doesn't say all things held together in the past. No. But currently, as we speak, in Jesus, all things Hold together. Again, what does this all things include? Well, he just told us earlier, both in heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, everything is constantly sustained, pulled together, divine glued together by Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Listen to God's word. It's so beautiful. Jesus upholds, present tense, upholds all things by the word of his power. All things brought together. Nurtured by what? By the word of Jesus' power. What power is this that keeps everything active, in motion, intact? What kind of power? Can can we even fathom the, the infinite power Jesus possesses? You know, there's that misconception. People think that uh, once Jesus created the world, he looked at the dashboard and flicked on the the green button and he set it in motion and, you know, autopilot and sat back. You know, like a watchmaker who creates the watch and then he would sit back and let it work on its own. Yes, every now and then he might just uh, take a a sneak peek on, on the world and he might think, all right, you know, I just want to make sure everything is in check and everything is, you know, done in order. Every now and then he would intervene and perform a miracle. But otherwise, just let everything run in its own motion. May I submit to you, this is not what the scripture says. The entire universe, the whole thing upheld by his power. The whole thing held together and currently, as we speak, glued together by Jesus' power. The moon orbits around the earth. Well, the earth rotates around its axis. 
both the, the moon and, and, and the earth uh, rotate and orbit around the sun, all of that done by Jesus. Consider the ecosystem. The entirety of the ecosystem is operated by Jesus and Jesus alone. And Jesus doesn't allow the change of weather to occur by itself. No, he's the one that changes the weather. Jesus is the one that causes the vapor to ascend to the sky and then forms the cloud and the cloud moves over and then makes lightning and then Jesus decides whether it would rain or it would snow. And when it pleases Jesus, at his word, he melts the snow. Jesus is not only sovereign over the, the macro, he, his power extends and beyond that and it reaches even the smallest detail in our lives. Not a, not a drop of water that splashes in your windscreen. Not, not one single H2O that comes out of your garden hose that Jesus does not hold together. And it is He who determines where that drop of water would land. Imagine that. Your nervous system, your skin tissue, the DNA that makes up your, your skin tissue, the cells, the molecules that make up the cells of your DNA and the atoms. You know why you're breathing? right now, and you're about to breathe your next breath. Because Jesus is sustaining you. Whether you're, you're a believer or unbeliever, you, whether you love him or hate him, the reason why you're breathing and your heart is beating is because Jesus is sustaining you. Think of what would happen to the universe if Jesus, even for one moment, goes to sleep. Pew. Disintegrates. Again, think brothers and sisters, friends. Do you know why you have a roof over your heads? Food on the tables? Because Jesus is sustaining you. What an awe-inspiring, jaw-dropping truth. Brothers, it, this doesn't only speak of Jesus' infinite power. Do you know what it also says? His amazing love. When, when, when we embrace this truth, the one who gave up his life for our sins, the one who died to save us and rose again, for our justification is the all-encompassing force that holds the universe together. How can not our hearts not flow with gratitude, with wonders? Be astonished. How can we not be filled with praises? If He's holding us together, means we're never left alone. We're never left alone. 
were always embraced, sustained, cherished by the very one who fashioned us, the one who understands us, the one who made us, who created us. We're held together by him. Well, where does this leave us? How do we apply this in our lives? Unbelievers in this room. Is there love for sin in your miserable, corrupt heart that is bearing heavy upon you, crushing you? I offer you Jesus, the creator. If he created all things out of what? Out of nothing. Why would it be too hard for him to fix your problem? He created you, right? Then he's able to recreate a new heart within you. And to cleanse you. And to give you a fresh start. Oh, the infinite power of Jesus Christ by which he created the world and is sustaining the world. With that same power, he is able to raise you from the dead and give you eternal life. Or would you come to him? Would you open your eyes and see the immense and infinite power of this mighty Savior? What sin that is so big that he is unable to lift up and remove and take away from you. Come and worship that creator. Brothers, who here is suffering from some financial losses or relational or spiritual crisis? Do we have unresolved challenges in our lives? I call upon you, hurting brothers and sisters, to lift up your eyes to heaven. To see the awesomeness, the grandeur. Be mesmerized by the greatness of our Savior. Be mesmerized. His love for us is as eternal as He is eternal. His compassion for us that He showed us on the cross never diminishes. It's what it means that he's eternal. So what do we do? Brothers, in times of trouble, in moments of doubt, I call upon you to remember. Remember. Remember what? Our bridegroom is the one that holds all things together. That includes your enemies. Jesus is the creator of all. Before all and sustainer of all. Let this be our source of comfort, brothers. Would to God that this truth burn in our hearts and stir this deep adoration within us for our Savior. Would to God that we would exalt Jesus Christ, the all-sufficient Lord, to the highest esteem. Amen.
Father, how thankful should we be? Oh, we are thankful. And beyond being thankful and even grateful, Father, if your Son, Jesus, is the creator of all, would you convince our hearts that he owns us, that we are his? And if we were created for Jesus alone, Lord God, let it be that we live for him alone. And if Jesus is before all things, then Lord God, would you make Jesus be the first in our lives? Let us have his desires before our desires, his goals before our goals. Would you do this, Lord? That if Jesus is before all things, then his life and death would be before our lives and deaths. Father, what trials in our lives that would ever cause us to be afraid if Jesus is sustaining us all and he holds all things and upholds the whole world by the word of his power. Let us have this heart of David who says, Though I walk through the valley of death, I will not fear evil. Why? Because Jesus is sustaining us. May he be highly esteemed, not just only in our hearts, but in our mouths, in our finance, in our relationships. May he be exalted in all aspects of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.